right, all right, all right. Day 177. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we jumping right back in. So we're in the midst of uh, one of the most important books in the Old Testament. I keep saying that because I really want you to believe it. Um, we're in this section in Isaiah, which many have called a fifth gospel, uh, where we are talking about these oracles against the surrounding nations of Israel, right? So God is not just the God of Israel, but he's the God of the universe. And chapter 17 is going to com- continue that, talking about this area called Damascus, right? So this is the city. It's north of Israel, and it's um, and, and Damascus is a city in the, the country or region of Syria, right? And so uh, remember, earlier in Isaiah, if you've been following, and in the biblical narrative, Syria tried to join an alliance with Ephraim, right? Which is another name for the northern kingdom of Israel to fight against Assyria, right? So Syria and Assyria are not the same. To fight against Assyria. Now, while they were doing that, they they formed this alliance to fight against Assyria. They tried to bring in Judah. So they tried to bring in the southern kingdom. And God was not with that. He was like, no, that ain't how I rock, right? And so fittingly, the text mentions that once again, Israel, for all the prosperity and all the glory they thought they were seeing, were headed for judgment and destruction as well as like like Damascus was as well. So he'll talk about Damascus and then he'll go right into Israel in verse four. So he'll say on that day, talking about the day of the Lord, the splendor of Jacob will fade and his healthy body will become emaciated. It will be as if a reaper had gathered standing grain, his arm harvesting the heads of grain and as if one had gleaned heads of grain in Rephaim Valley. The main point the Bible is trying to make here is that when we look in the same places that the world looks for salvation, we will be subject to the same fate as they will, right? They thought a political alliance, right? So so Damascus thought a political alliance would prove trustworthy and faithful in the, in the onset, in the midst of their biggest problems and their biggest enemies. And we see that it did not. Israel thought the same thing. And guess what? They got the same thing. So, so, so like, that's a word to us as well, fam. Like, no, no, no. You go to the same places for peace, for justice, for hope, for um, joy, for love that the world does. You'll see that you get the same outcomes that they do. God is like, no, this thing is different. And so God still is, is so is so gracious because once again, even in the midst of his judgment, he once again promises a remnant. He promises like, no, no, at the end of the day, there will be a few that I will keep for myself, right? That repent and that will turn back to me. And from the Asherah poles and all the whole, uh, all the other idols that y'all have been worshiping and making. And I think there's the word though. He's like, yo, no, no, like don't presume upon my grace, right? This, this judgment didn't come exactly when he said it would come, but it came. And so he's like, no, no, don't presume upon my grace. Repent. Now, I love what the Bible says later, Psalm 95, Hebrews 3, I believe. Um, today is the day of salvation. Every day is today. There should be an urgency, fam. Like if we make mistakes, which we will do. If we sin, which we will do. If we fail, today is the day to turn from that sin, right? And he goes on. 
he keeps it going. He goes to Cush, right, which which is um, another way of saying Ethiopia in the Bible. Uh, and so uh, we have to remember that uh, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Ham had uh, 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 a son named Cush. And so Cush is associated with modern day Ethiopia. And so what God is saying here in uh, Isaiah 18 is like, yo, um, I'm sending them envoys or messengers about this worldwide message that I'm going to bring my judgment to the world. Right. Remember, we said that last episode that the reason he clusters all of these other nations outside of Israel and the judgment that God's going to bring on them is to preview, <laughs> to foreshadow. You feel what I'm saying? The judgment that God is going to bring at the end of time upon the world. Now, he is sending them to he is sending uh, this message, these messengers to them so that they can make this thing known. Right. And I love it because, again, judgment is coming upon them as well. But look what the Lord says in verse four. Like, look how gracious God is. Come on, man. For the Lord said to me, I will quietly look out from my place like shimmering heat and sunshine, like a rain cloud in harvest heat. For before the harvest, when the blossoming is over and the blossom becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with the pruning knife and tear away and remove the branches. So what God is saying here is this. God's judgment is this cosmic pruning tool. Right. This this cosmic pruning tool that he uses to 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 prune off. Right. And judgment uh, against the peoples of the world. But he, he, he uses it to bring forth the righteous and ripe fruit that he desires. That's why in verse seven, it says that after the judgment, it says that Gentiles will come and bring gifts to God at his temple in Zion. At that time, a gift will be brought to the Lord of armies from a people, tall and smooth skin. So he just said tall and smooth skin. He's talking about Cush here. Uh, a people feared uh, far and near, a powerful nation with a strange language whose land is divided by rivers to Mount Zion. They will bring gifts to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord of armies. So good. Now, we see this same theme, fam, like come up later in the biblical narrative. You know where? In the book of Matthew, right? Matthew picks up on his theme. And Isaiah actually is going to say this again later about how Gentiles will bring gifts to God in the last days. <laughs> so hard. And we remember the wise men from the east bring three gifts to Jesus, baby Jesus when he's born. And so Matthew, what Matthew does is he shows that these prophecies from Isaiah in his narrative are being fulfilled. Right. So that the restoration came when when Christ came. I wish I had time to talk about that. Christ is the fulfillment, the ultimate restoration that the people of the world were actually longing for before he came. Right. And it shows like, yo, there is hope for the nations. Right. So we see all these judgment, all these judgments against the nations. But there is hope for the nations in the hope of the nations. And that's Israel's Messiah. That's uh, Christ jesus himself and so i love it man because the prophets do such a good job of weaving out a uh, weaving uh between um judgment and hope right uh humiliation and exaltation and again it's a word for us right like we can't fall off one side of the horse um there's some who who just major on um speaking of the hope and the restoration without speaking of the hard truths about god's judgment and eternal displeasure with sin but they go hand in hand right they go hand in hand and he keeps going he keeps going and it's so good because um you know in 19 he talks about uh this this judgment that is coming against egypt and so uh one of the things that's interesting here is that he shows that judgment is more nuanced god's like 
like people that are under God's judgment is more nuanced than just not going to heaven. Right. So he talks about it here and this this judgment, just like God's salvation is already and not yet. Right. So in, in some senses, like, yo, our salvation has been done. Right. We've been we're forgiven. We're justified. All this good stuff. We're reconciled to God. But one day we will be saved. The New Testament will say we will be saved. We want a new new heaven, new earth. All that kind of stuff. Do it with Jesus forever. Drinking good wine. Um, but there's an already not yet aspect to God's judgment as well. So if you remember in uh, Exodus, the Exodus, you Pharaoh's heart was hard. And, and what the text was trying to say, and it's alluded to in different ways here, is that he was already under judgment because his heart was hard. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, 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 so there's that. Romans chapter one would tell us, yo, like that God gives some people over to their own desires. And that's technically them already being under God's judgment. Right. So so how does judgment play out here? Right. We have to remember that there's a more nuanced way to look at it. So he says this in verse two of uh, chapter uh, 19. I will provoke Egyptians against Egyptians. Each will fight against his brother and each against his friend. City against city, kingdom against kingdom. In other words, um, it's really interesting that a sign of God's judgment here is a civil war. <laughs> right. So he's saying Egypt. No, no. Like. It's a rap for y'all. Y'all been wilding. Y'all's pride have, have, have manifested itself in many ways. And y'all are in a civil war, right? And it's like crazy that the Lord is saying that. And we've even seen this um, in other places throughout the Bible where you see uh, this kind of brother to brother theme where um, uh, people are turned inward on themselves and, and fighting against each other instead of fighting the proper enemy. But God's judgment is against them. Verse 14, he says this too. He says, um, the Lord has mixed with her a spirit of confusion. The, the leaders have made Egypt stagger in all she does as a drunkard staggers uh, in his vomit. So another sign of God's judgment here is that they are confused, right? They are confused about uh, the message that God is actually trying to send. And we'll see this later in Isaiah as well. And he says they're staggering as if they're drunk. Those are that's all imagery talking about um, the judgment that is upon a particular people in this time. And so the prophets are very creative in the way they speak on like what's going to happen. But once again, look at verse 21. He says, um, the Lord will make himself known to Egypt and Egypt will know the Lord on that day huh, after the judgment. They will offer sacrifices and offerings. They will make vows to the Lord and fulfill them. The Lord will strike Egypt, striking, guess what, and healing. Hmm. Then they will turn to the Lord and he will be receptive to their prayers and heal them. Like God always does, he will always make himself known, fam. And many, it says, will turn to the Lord and be blessed with Israel. Once again, there is hope for the nations. Isaiah 20 comes, last chapter of this bunch. And we have this uh, really like uh, odd <laughs> prophetic sign act. So remember the prophets, one of the things that they do is that they uh, speak messages, but they also act out their message, <laughs> right? And so Jesus does this a ton. He'll, he'll, he'll talk about the blindness of Israel, for example, and then he'll curse a fig tree, right? Or, um, excuse me, he'll, um, He'll, he'll talk about the fruitlessness of Israel and then curse a fig tree, right, for his fruitlessness. Or he'll heal uh, a blind man and talk about the blindness of Israel, right? So so even Christ fulfills that in some kind of ways. Um, but he says here, look at it. He says, um, as my servant Isaiah has gone stripped and barefoot three years as a sign and omen against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, young and old alike, stripped and barefoot with bare buttocks to Egypt's shame in other words isaiah had to walk right barefoot <laughs> stripped for three years fam and 
it was just to act out what the Lord was actually going to do. And so it's interesting, though, because the prophet does this and it's actually a sign for what God is trying to do. And it's actually an opportunity to repent. <laughs> so, so when you see the sign, it's like, no, the prophet proclaimed it. The prophet actually showed you it. This is an opportunity to turn back to the Lord. And so, um, in other words, what, what the Lord is saying here is that what happened here to Isaiah was representative of what God would do to Egypt and Cush. He would essentially humiliate them. He would humble them. Right. And it's amazing because the implication, it was that like folks trusted in these mega empires and ungodly kingdoms. Um, and they and it was only like after the judgment came that they realized that they what they had been trusting in wouldn't work. Right. It wouldn't work. Right. And so God is saying, like, turn to me. It's funny. It reminds me of this line from Drake. Drake has this song, um, Sandra's Rose. And uh, like two albums ago, two or three albums ago, um, his album Scorpion, where he's like, um, you know, my uncle trying to he says, my uncle trying to change my energies with stones and, with stones and crystals. But it's going to take more than that to control my issues. Right. And so his whole point is like, yo, um, at the end of the day, like, you know, people are on these crystals and that like uh, shaping your energy, your environment and the atmosphere, all this weird stuff. And Drake is like, fam, like that joint don't work. <laughs> like, no, no, no. My problems, like my deepest problems and my deepest needs are not met by that. And it's only uh, after like realizing that they don't work that we yeah, like that it's sometimes too late. And so that's similar, similar idea here where God is saying like that stuff, like the idols y'all worship, trust, trusting in military might, military alliances, uh, uh, the, the, these um, sinful and uh, oppressive empires is, is not going to help you, right? It can't save you, right? And God is the only one deserving of that trust, right? And he has proved it. Uh, throughout history. And you want to know one of the best ways we can remember that God has proved his trustworthiness? The gospel. Remembering the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus, listen, was humiliated, was humbled for our sake of the cross. Listen, stripped naked, beaten, died, stayed dead for three days. But because of his submission to the divine will, he was exalted to the right hand of God. The message here, man, is be humble or get humble it's simple as that it's simple but we know it's not easy let's pray for the lord's help uh that, that it would be so of us let's pray father we ask uh for your grace we ask that we would be humble before you lord we pray that when the problems and the winds and the waves of life will come we would uh, build our house as jesus says on the foundation that is the rock uh he himself give us the grace to do so